1: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, hour three on a great day for talk radio. It's one of those days where uh, there are some things that have happened that, you know, lend themselves to the conversation naturally. The uh, new rules for impaired driving, uh, obviously cross-country, not just in Ontario, not just in the city. These have uh, far-reaching implications, whether or not the arbitrary nature of being stopped. uh, It's got to be a lawful stop but it uh does not necessarily have to have a probable cause so there's a distinction there obviously uh the cops can always say they saw you like weaving out of your lane whatever and they pull you over and have a (laughs) nice having a nice night sir and next thing you know uh, could you blow into this breathalyzer they can do that now and as we heard on the panel discussion in the previous hour uh, some people are willing to trade off that incursion, because it's done in the interests of uh, reducing the carnage on the roads, the impaired driving issue, impaired either through drugs or alcohol. Uh, We're going to put it to Michael Lacey, a partner of the criminal law group Browdy, Thornings, or Barris, in about, uh, well, a dozen minutes or so. I needed a legal mind in on that, as well as on the case that uh, saw Dellen Millard, third-time murderer, subjected to consecutive sentences, so 75 years no chance of parole. Does that mean what it says? Because sometimes I'm curious, Canadian law. I mean, we have all these life sentence things in 25 years, no chance of parole. Next thing you know, the guy's walking the street in 12 years or something like what, Huh? what happened there? Uh, so I'm kind of curious as to uh, that and whether or not we're heading because it's a rare set of circumstances, obviously a triple murderer, but I think it's only been applied these consecutive sentences in two other occasions in the land. So if this leads to the third time, uh, potentially, are we heading into a direction that the Americans have enjoyed, where, you know, some guys are sentenced to like 900 years, pretty much, even with, you know, good time, off for good behavior, two-thirds sentence, and all the rest of that, you're done. Uh, that might just be what's at stake. So we'll find out from our legal expert, Michael Lacey. Uh, also, we'll be talking to uh, the executive vice president of the think tank, Cardis, at the bottom of the hour, because there's a new poll out shows religious Canadians are more open to laughing about uh, religion, and they're less uptight about things. These are religious Canadians, so it sort of belies the stereotype that they're all, you know, anal and uh, uptight about things and uh, can't brook any dissent. That can- well, We'll get to the details on that poll. I'm kind of curious, because in an era of political correctness, uh, that's kind of refreshing to hear. (laughs) Some people are not standing on these principles or these uh, pet issues. And uh, therein lies, well, an interesting study. As I say, we'll get to it. Now, you know, when it comes to, uh, let's call it political correctness, or maybe it's just correctness in general, the city of Mississauga has decided decided to remove all indigenous sports mascots. In other words, teams with names, and this has been going on for a lot of years now. Boy, I, I would submit it's gone for maybe 50, 60 years, some of the junior teams. The Mississauga Braves, Mississauga Chiefs, the Lorne Park Ojibwa, the Meadowvale Mohawks. Going forward, that's verboten. The Ontario Human Rights Commission. Uh have decided that this is inappropriate. And so Mississauga took its cues from this ruling and decided that they would follow suit and say no more. And, uh, well, the Mohawks, the Meadowvale Mohawks, will now go by the name of the Hawks, easy enough to abbreviate. As for the others, I don't know, the Braves, the Chiefs. It was a complaint lodged by uh, a gentleman named Brad Gallant, who's an activist. He's a Mi'kmaq, and... uh, he brought it to the Human Rights Commission. So I guess because the, uh, he got their attention, I guess it's a hard thing to kind of, in this day and age, press the case, except you would say, well, twas ever thus. And the response to that is, well, things do change as the times do change, and there's new sensitivity. And in the spirit of reconciliation, which was the angle that was taken, uh, Mississauga has decided that this was untenable to continue to allow these names to be used, especially in kids' sports, because the kids are impressionable, and uh, this continues what Mr. Gallant and others have decided is, uh, well, negative stereotyping towards Indigenous peoples. And so it's over as far as that's concerned. And I know there are a lot of people, friends of mine, who have played in the Mississauga leagues that uh, I guess there were five different uh levels that had these names and tis no more they want to expand diversity training as well to address reconciliation and develop a policy related to the use of indigenous images and themes at its sports facilities that's the city of mississauga do we have broad support for that you know the, the kids still get to play sports so what's the big issue here
0: but I wonder sometimes when these names were first chosen, was there any malice? Was there any negative, derogatory, you know, uh, sort of um, plan, or was it an opportunity to to celebrate, like to to you know to to, to give some, you know. Um, memorial remember you know right, these right. different it, I know, groups I know. yeah honor yeah. them
1: yeah honor them uh, to think uh recogn- that
0: it was designed in a way to be negative and derogatory it takes away sort of the whole spirit behind so many sports especially kids playing sports
1: well all right chiefs wonder braves i mean we still see that in the pro leagues yeah. you know I mean, well they're not changing i mean the real questionable one is the washington redskins But the owner of the team has uh, pressed that case as it's a trademark, and therefore any such uh, diminishment of that name would be trademark infringement, and he's protected by the First Amendment in the United States.
0: But when it's in name of a, of a particular, you know, uh, group of Native people who may have roamed that particular area, uh, can that be the opposite? Can it be a history lesson? Can it be an opportunity to, you know, to embrace that? And I mean, I really No, I wonder, get your point. Was it ever designed to be malicious? What is being perceived as now? Well,
1: all right. Uh, and some would say, well, but that's because no consideration was given back then because the people... The indigenous peoples were effectively powerless or voiceless, and now that one, anyway, and uh, I suppose he has some support, Mister Gallant, uh, have been empowered by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. You know, political correctness, certain sensibilities in this day and age. And
0: there were wrongs, and there were atrocities for sure. But in in sports, was there really malice intended when those names were were yeah, first, possibly you know, not? Established?
1: But he's saying uh, now he finds it offensive. So. You know, I guess what I'm saying is he finds it offensive. Uh, some people may want to stand by these traditional names, but at the end of the day, the kids are still playing sports, regardless of the name, right? You could call them the, the hula hoops from Mississauga for all I care, as long as you still get out on the ice or you're out on the pitch or the field or whatever the case. Does it really matter? Is it, well, I don't know. Is it an a, an important principle to defend?
0: Do you know what the name of the team was when I was playing, uh, like, junior hockey? No. You. Me neither. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I was just happy, <laughs> to, I was just happy to be oh, wow. playing.
1: That short-term memory thing. <laughs> what's in a name? What's in a name? You're right. Even Shakespeare said, what's in a name?
0: Rose by any other name.
1: As Rodney Dangerfield said, who? Uh, anyway, this is a question that I have for you before we get around to uh, some legal matters. We can also talk on the ice uh, of the family up there in Ottawa who've been told by the bylaw enforcement agency, you got to remove the rink boards. And uh, basically the rink then falls by the board because it's on a slope piece of land that abuts city property, or effectively I guess it goes on to city property as well. And uh, somebody complained, a neighbor complained. So do you take it down in the interest of neighborly peace? A lot of support, though, for the family because I think one of the things that trumps uh a neighbor being offended or even a bylaw having to be gerrymandered around or being amended is hockey and the kids playing. Innocent cherubic voices squealing in delight as they push a puck that's too heavy and hard for them to do. But nonetheless, they're enjoying their time outdoors in a cold Ottawa winter. Boy, there's something bucolic about that, isn't it? It's almost a postcard. And yet these kids may be denied this fund because a neighbor decided to complain. But my question, too, on a matter of a bylaw, you know, I mean, look, bylaws are bylaws, and somebody put them in the books because they want to be consistent when it comes to the application of the law. Otherwise, if you break it for him, you got to break it for me. And the next time around, it may be me uh, having a bonfire out back. And, you know, distilling hard liquor. Uh, by law enforcement officer, come by. I say, scram, you let the kids play hockey across the street. I'm damn well making my malt liquor right here. <laughs> Throw another log on the fire. Cook me up some bacon and some beans.
0: That escalated quickly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's See how it gets there out of control? the neighborhood. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. Let me get George in here in Scarborough. Hello, Georgie. Good, good. How are you doing, John? Pretty good, thank you. Well, let's, we're talking about uh, the teams, right? They're yep. getting rid of the the name from the Native teams? Yes, sir. I, I find that that's like a double-edged sword for the Native. I'd be pretty upset. You'd be erasing my history pretty quick. These kids aren't going to know about the Chicago Blackhawks and the Washington Redskins and know that the Native Indians existed. I think it's a big agenda conspiracy to get rid of the Native Indian culture. Ooh, that's something I had not considered. So uh, this guy is really working at cross purposes. He's working against his best interest. Exactly. How about this human rights board really get down on real human violations? There's people suffering with real causes. Let's not worry about team sports jerseys. Kids are fine. Let the natives have their name, their pride, and uh, let the kids play hockey, and let's go after some real crisis on human Human uh, violations. All right, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, it's not how Mississauga feels, though. They've decided to remove all indigenous sports mascots. Speaking of mascots and native names, the Chicago Blackhawks mascot got into a dust up at the United Center in Chicago the other night. Did you see that from the weekend? Some drunken guy was heckling him. Next thing you know, they're having a Pier Sixer right there in the United Center in one of the lobbies or the mezzanine. And he's got the guy in a headlock, the drunk in a headlock. And he sort of flips him, does, I guess, what would be known as a suplex if you still follow wrestling. Mm. And uh, this was Whoa. the Chicago Blackhawks mascot. Whoa. On occasion, the mascots, you know, they get taunted and whatever, and they lose it. They go sideways. Uh, San Diego Chicken, I think, got into it one time. With I the remember F- that. Philly Phantom, or, or they were trading <laughs> punches too. <laughs> and so uh, it's always curious to see. Or where was it? It was, uh, I think it was Daryl Sutter when he was coaching Calgary, if I'm not mistaken, with the Sutter brother. Uh, and the dog or whatever the mascot was, or maybe it was another coach, but he. He was leaning over, and his red tongue was hanging out to his dog. He, he yanked the red tongue off the dog. However. Uh, well,
0: you're in a hot foam suit for so many hours, you're going to get a little cranky, too.
1: Well, yeah, you could. I understand. And people don't always behave nicely. And kids, you know... uh How
0: would you feel getting the snot pounded out of you by a guy in a mascot suit? The most encumbered person in the building.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's got, like, these uh, shoes with, like, claws over top of them, the whole thing. And the guy's wailing on you, and he's winning. That's the point. There's the real indignity. Let me get Ian in here in Mississauga. You're right there at ground zero for uh, what the city decided to do with indigenous names and sports mascots. Did they do right? I, you know, I like the previous caller. I think there's probably bigger issues that they should be spending their time and energy on. But, you know, if we are going to go down the avenue of, of changing the names and being, you know, very astute and sensitive, perhaps Mississauga should be changing its name. Well, and see, you raise a good point because that's in deference to uh, the Mississaugas mm-hmm. of the Credit Nation. That's right. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: there's a Saugeen River. We
1: could change that. Um, well, there's. there's the, the Saugeen River up uh, Bruce County way. There's, there's a number of entities that have that have indigenous names that are more of a tribute that Well, you, and you know what, Ian, that's the argument. I, I mean, Mary's making it as well that these names like Chief and Braves they're uh, a tribute to or are honoring uh, the native culture. I'm not sure it's that specific. I mean, Saugeen is Mississauga is Chiefs, Braves. Is it maybe a frivolous appropriation or appellation of things you know I and look uh, you can make the argument well a chief is just somebody who's the head of their class or you know they they've risen to the top of the pecking order
0: <laughs> and brave can be anybody who's brave and if you play sports there's moments when you have to be brave but
1: we kind of sort of know that isn't how this thing was derived
0: change it to bravely
1: yeah, they the bravely. Mississauga Bravelys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like it. I got you, and Thanks a lot for the call. Man, oh, man. Uh, well, there are so, some more important things to be addressed. I grant you that. It was just one of these developments. I know this guy, Brad Gallant, has been uh, petitioning for this change for a long time. Had him on the show a while back. And he's carried the day. The Ontario Human Rights Commission has decided. Now, does this signal that uh, any precinct... That raises their hand and says, you got to change the name because we're offended and in the interest of reconciliation, do right by us and no longer uh, malign our culture, don't appropriate it, blah, blah. It was like the argument the other day we had over these totem poles that were a sort of novelty item in a drugstore chain in Nova Scotia where uh, it was basically a totem pole, but the likeness of Carlton the Bear uh, above a guy in a Leafs jersey, small sort of a yard ornament. And this was considered to be offensive because it was appropriating a cultural symbol. At the time, though, I argued that this is now part of public domain because it's such an iconic thing that it really has entered public domain. And so uh, while you might stand on the religious aspect of a strict totem pole, this is just, you know, using, I guess, the likeness. Call it appropriation. I thought that was all right to do as far as that's concerned. But these name things, I guess you can get by without uh, actually having the name Braves or Chiefs or Indians or whatever. And the kids will still enjoy their pastime. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and anywhere else you get your on demand audio.